Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions, and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrooks.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport. There's no doubt Sheffield United have been denied a goal. How the course of the game would have gone on after that, who knows? But it's good to have football back. It's Sterling into the penalty area, it drops for him inside the six yard box, and he lashes it home from four yards out. And we have our first goal of the Premier League's resumption. It's Manchester City 1, Arsenal 0, and it is not just a penalty, it is a red card for David Luiz. And Kevin De Bruyne will take a penalty away to our left. He steps up right footed, he rifles it just right of the goalkeeper who goes the wrong way, and Kevin De Bruyne puts Manchester City into a 2-0 lead. In these uncertain times, it's nice to be able to rely on Arsenal and VAR to make us feel at home with that bit of the familiar. I'll tell you what it was like to dress up like a surgeon and watch Kevin De Bruyne fillet the Gunners in just a moment. But this is just the beginning. Ten games to preview this weekend, including Jose and his depleted Tottenham taking on Manchester United, Aston Villa taking on Chelsea and Liverpool go to Everton with the champagne staying on the ice. Dream Team tips, the rivalry roulette and all the team news from your club delivered with the insight and knowledge you'd expect from Darren Lewis and Alex Crook. All on the podcast that clearly has better vision than a seven-strong fast-frame camera system from a company that is owned by Sony at a cost of five million quid. The Eagle-Eyed Game Day Podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Preview Podcast from TalkSport as we zip through the upcoming Premier League games faster than Arsenal, go through defenders, dazzling Darren Lewis, top football journalist is here. Hello, how are you? Okay? I'm very well actually, I'm really excited. I didn't think I would be, I thought I would still be thinking about the past three months which obviously were very serious but it's funny how once the games begin again you just get yourself locked and loaded Mm. to go straight into it all over again. Yeah, it helps if there's a couple of massive cock-ups. Alex Crook will be at Southampton and Manchester City over the weekend. He's also here, hello. Hello, how are you? Yes, I'm very good, thank you. Uh, The quick reflections on on things we saw over the first night and and I I say tongue firmly in cheek a couple of massive cock-ups Cups, there's probably more than that, most of them from David Luiz, uh, but VAR didn't help <laughs> as well. Uh, the great thing about it for me was is that I've spent the last 24, 48 hours arguing about and talking about things that happened on a football pitch, and that in itself is an absolute blessing, isn't it, Darren? I think it is. I think it is, because we've spent so long talking about things that are not football, and rightly so, but we work in the football industry. That's our jobs, and we've not been able to do it for a long time. So to get back to the action on the field, it's a welcome relief. And I agree with you about last night, that first game. Do you know, if this were Manchester City or Arsenal, 
I think it would be an even bigger story. I feel so sorry for Sheffield United because they're fighting for a fairy tale. And if they were to win that game, they would have lifted themselves above Manchester United into mm. what could be a Champions League position. Well, listen, it was still the biggest story of the night, but it didn't help that David Luiz had made a hat-trick of errors. And as a result of that, he sort of stole a smidgen of that limelight as well. So he took the emphasis off the error that was made in the VAR, Crookie. I'm just impressed that Darren's been away since we last did a podcast and, and Googled the word fairy tale and what it actually means. Because, yes, yeah, Sheffield United making the Champions League would be a fairy tale unlike Liverpool winning the Premier League. But uh, back to David Luiz, not so much a fairy tale as a nightmare for Mikel Arteta. But I kind of feel like Arteta was master of his own downfall because he came out before the game and basically, without saying it word for word, but he was saying that David Luiz's head isn't in the right place. David Luiz then comes on and produces the kind of performance that suggests his, his head is just about anywhere other than the Etihad Stadium. It was two dreadful errors, wasn't it? And he can't complain. And I do wonder if we'll ever see him in an Arsenal shirt again. I'm not convinced we will, Darren. good question. Okay, can I just add to that, actually? Because I don't think we'll see him in an Arsenal shirt. I know they've signed Mari. They'll probably go and see if they can sign someone else as well. But I look at the Arsenal team. I don't think any of their heads, certainly the senior players, the younger players, I wouldn't lay too much at their door. But the senior players, you've got Aubameyang, who's got a year left in his head, looks like it's already gone. You look at the fact that 20 attempts on goal for Manchester City, no shot on target from an Arsenal side with the firepower to really test Manchester City, an uncertain Manchester City. That's that, for me, a massive, massive indictment of a very capable Arsenal team. He's got and massive do- problems, hasn't he? I mean, he's got Ertzal who left at home because he didn't think tactically he fitted into the system. He's getting paid 350 grand a week. He's left Lacazette on the bench, Pepe on the bench, or Bamiyang hardly had a touch in the entire game, and he's supposed to be the captain. Um, he started with Enketia up front, with all due respect, Obviously got potential, has played reasonably well. But if you're looking over at the at the replacements and you, your your record signing is sitting there on the bench, and the guy who's supposed to be your main goal scorer is not involved in the starting eleven, when you desperately need to win to enhance your European chances, I mean he's he's gonna it's gonna take you in three or four transfer windows to sort this this huge problem out. By which time, Sam. The other teams above them could be over the horizon hmm. because Spurs had a nightmare start to the season. They've got no right to be ahead still of Arsenal in the league if they were to somehow pull off a win against Manchester United. And I wouldn't bet against that happening. We get to that, obviously. Then I think that Arsenal, they're drifting. Arsenal are drifting. Their transfer policy is horrendous. They've got another high-caliber player that they're going to have to let go for a fraction of the price they could have if they'd managed to convince him to stay. And they are just in a mess on and off the pitch. Uh, I thought there was a powerful moment pre-kickoff at Villa Park and at the Etihad of everybody taking the knee. And I think those images being beamed around the world will send an incredible uh, message. It was strange and eerie, but very new, but comforting at the same time going to the Etihad last night I I mean you know obviously there was a lack of atmosphere but it was a privilege to be so close so intimate that novelty may well end up wearing off but maybe I think because I've been going out in a mask sanitising my hands socially distancing from everybody it's become the sort of norm anyway so taking that into the workplace was just a natural extension of that seven checkpoints body temperature checks um, going through scanners and wearing blue rubber gloves but you know we'll get there Uh, right let's get to the big game previews got Kane, Sissoko, they're all going to be back fit yeah. and that's going to be great for Tottenham. Kane trying to shift the ball onto his right, get the shot away! And he's got it! 
and he finds the corner again. I can't get back into the Champions League spot. Of course, I want to win team trophies. I want to be doing it sooner rather than later. Goes out right for Wan Bissaka. Look at the take on Williams. Wan Bissaka's cross to the far post. What a goal, Rashford! Three-one, brilliant. We've just got to concentrate on ourselves and keep uh, improving and keep getting results. But I know it's going to be tight. Here's Martial in behind the defenders for number four. Lifts it over the keeper. So so simple and so so effective. Tottenham against Manchester United is the big game on Friday night. Jose Mourinho takes on his former employers, but they've lost their last three home games in all competitions, Tottenham Hotspur, and they're without Deli Alley suspended, Tanganga, who's injured, likely not to have Vertonghen either, and concern around the Celso and Son I'm hearing in the last 24 hours as well. United, on the other hand, all very super confident and smug, extremely excited about marrying Bruno and Paul. What are we expecting, uh, Alex Crook? <laughs> I'm expecting United victory. Do you know what? When I was previewing this game, I thought you'd probably ask me, how do you get Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes in the same Manchester United team? So I've been pondering that and, and, and picking out what would be my idea of United's best eleven for this game. Obviously, it's going to be De Gea in goal. I'd go Wan-Bissaka and Williams as the two fullbacks. Baye alongside Maguire if Baye is fit. Then I'd play Fred and McTominay sitting in midfield. And I would go Fernandes, Pogba and Rashford in behind Martial in attack. What a fab foursome that is, Darren Lewis. If you're a Manchester United supporter, you're excited. When you then read out those names, even more so. I mean, listen, before the break, undefeated in 11, winning eight of them, and looking seriously like the team that were on the way back, 18 that were on the way back before the lockdown. Now that they've come back, and yeah, I think the big question is how he's going to make that work. And playing Bruno Fernandes in an offensive position, rather than deep, it, it's going to really get the best out of him. He knows where the goal is. He, his awareness of the players around him is outstanding as well. And I think that it's going to be a really exciting uh, conundrum for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to work out. But I don't rule out Spurs. I know you two, the, the tone of what you've both been saying suggests that you've got it down as an away win. Two things. We'll come back to Spurs in just a second. But on Manchester United, prior to lockdown, you mentioned their fantastic record. And in particular, that was built on an unbelievable defence. I mean, they've kept more clean sheets than anybody else in Europe, with the exception of PSV this season. And the reason for that was that they changed their system, went to a back three and protected their defence really well and allowed Williams uh, and Wambasaka to go forward and help out offensively. Uh, just to get Pogba back in the team, I mean, the guy hasn't started a football match for 263 days by the time we get to Friday night. Why would you sacrifice that defensive solidity uh, after it being the bedrock of your upturning fortune? If you've got a fit Pogba, if you've got a motivated Pogba from the videos I've seen of him uh, playing in the various friendly matches, he looks committed to the cause. You have to find a way to play him. And I think there's a confidence now about the team that maybe wasn't there. And that's why Ligon and Solskjaer went for that back three, as you say, to, to supplement the defensive lineup. My only concern is that Jose Mourinho is still a very good tactical manager. He will know that United struggle against teams who sit deep and, and, and don't give them the chance to counter-attack. Now, normal, normally Tottenham at home with a crowd at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, the onus would be on them to attack. Again, the fact there's no crowds there, maybe Jose can I agree with that. go more defensive. But 
the caveat to that would be, are Tottenham good enough defensively to do that and, and be disciplined enough to see it through for 90 minutes? And the Probably answer not. is no to that, isn't it? Because quite no. clearly they haven't got they haven't got the personnel to do it. I mean, there's no authority in the middle of the park and hasn't been for the whole of the season. I think United could have a field day if it's open. So that's the reason I think Jose will have to be very cagey and will sit back like he did in in, in early games at, um, at the I, uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I, I, I disagree with you both. I mean, I think before the break, they were a mess. I agree with that. No win in five. And they've had injuries all over the place, but they've got the leadership and the goals of Harry Kane back. Even if you assume that they're going to be without Tanganga and Le Celso, I think he can have Davis at left back, Alderweireld and Eric Dyer at centre half. You've got Serge Aria at right full back. And then if you were looking I at the so. field. <laughs> yeah. I know he's a liability, but I, I don't don't worry about that. Well, they're all a liability. For- I don't think well, there's any, any one of those any one of those players that you've just mentioned would fill me in confidence to, to think, oh, they're going to keep a clean sheet. I mean, they've I, conceded I, I, 40 goals in the Premier League this season. That's I, already one more than the total that they conceded last year. I agree with all of that. All of that. It's very, very hard to disagree with it. The one thing I'd say is this. We're coming back at this stage. It's almost like a new season beginning. I mean, we've had a longer break than most players have for their summer holidays psychologically some players might be affected by the break you don't know how they're going to come back and conversely this period might have just been that foot on the ball period that Spurs have needed to sort themselves out and I still look at the players have got back Sissoko who'd been injured before the break Kane who'd been injured before the break I look at the fact that okay I hope Son's not injured because that for me would be a bit of a blow we know that Deli Ali suspended but I still look at the midfield and you can get Winks and Dombele as well as Sissoko in there. And then if you do have Son and Mora supporting Kane, you've got three players up top that can hurt Manchester United. I don't think this is a given that they're going to rock up in North London and win by any stretch of the imagination. I think it'll be a fascinating encounter. There's no doubt about that. And I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think what you said about Sissoko is really important because one of the things that always worried me about Spurs, they didn't really have a commanding central midfielder, a dynamic central midfield player. And he certainly is that. And I think he's been much better over the last 18 months. And they've certainly missed him when he's not been there. But that defence is poor. Uh, and I don't trust any of them. I don't, I don't trust the goalkeeper either. He makes far too many mistakes for for a World Cup winning captain goalkeeper everyone lords for me. Uh, but uh, I think, you know, like you say, because of the break, anything can happen. And as a result of that, predictions may well end up going out of the window. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Indo. Watford against Leicester kicks off at 12.30. It's live on game day. It's the first of four commentaries that we've got on TalkSport this Saturday afternoon. I spoke to Casper Smeichel on Wednesday and, and he actually brought up the impact of Brendan Rodgers, the history between these two clubs, which is born out of a mad minute in the playoffs in 2013. And, and Nigel Pearson's legacy, actually, at Leicester, which Schmeichel believes, Darren, still has an influence on that club to this day. Well, if it, if it wasn't for the work that he had done laying the foundations for what they were able to build and they wouldn't be where they are now. So uh, he did bring in a discipline. He did bring in an organisation and a consistency to that side before. Uh, and I'm going to use that word again, Kruki, uh, the fairy tale. Uh, oh. at, <laughs> at, uh, I'll give you that one. Oh, oh, thank you. But I think at the moment they are a very young, capable, vibrant side. I just think if they'd had even more experience, not just of the players that had won the league before, but more experienced quality as well, that they might have been a bit more consistent and maybe not lost their way when it was looking like they were going to emerge as a threat to Liverpool. Yeah, and I think that sort of consistency comes from some of the younger players that they've got in the team and and, and, and the inconsistency of their personal performances. I mean, even, even someone like Ben Chilwell, who has been uh, linked with a big move to Chelsea, had a, a winter wobble, didn't he? And it wasn't mm. playing particularly well in, in the big games. It's a fascinating match, isn't it, Crook? Because when Watford are in fl- full flow, they are actually a match for anybody, and Leicester, the breaks seem to have come at the right time for them because it came after they had that mid-season sort of meander. And Rogers' teams are never better than when he's had them on the training ground for a sustained period of time. I worry slightly about James Madison as well. I just wonder towards the the end of the regular season, if you like, whether perhaps the hype had started to go to his head a little bit, little bit, particularly in that semi-final of the League Cup when it almost felt like a personal shootout between him and Jack Grealish. They were both being talked about for England so I think he needs to find a bit of consistency again in terms of Watford and I don't want to keep harping on about the behind closed doors element but I think it's relevant here they are a better team when they've got a loud vicarage road behind them and I think when you're fighting a relegation battle that could be an issue for Nigel Pearson and his players having said that in Ishmael Assar they have one of the most informed players mm. in the division uh, before play was halted if he can pick up where he's left off they've got a heck of a chance. Yeah, I like him. I like his combination with uh, Troy Deeney. And I wonder how much of an influence Troy Deeney will be able to have on this game because he did draw in training a little bit later than everybody else. The one thing I like about Leicester is that the fact that their back five is really settled, isn't it? Schmeichel, Justin, Evans, Soyonchu, Chilwell. The absence of Ricardo Pereira will affect them. But uh, Justin, I think after spending nearly a year now with Brendan Rodgers, 
obviously they see something in him and, and saw something in him to pluck him from Luton Town. Do you think the absence of the Portuguese fullback will affect them negatively or, or uh, to an extent when it starts to cost them games, Darren? No, I don't. I don't think because I think they're a very versatile side uh, with players who perform effectively all over the pitch, players able to score goals all over the pitch and players that know their jobs too. And so I don't think they are that kind of side where if you were to take players like that out, that they would suddenly start to falter. But overall, I see them as a side where the sum of the parts work together very effectively indeed. I love Indeedy. I think they're a different team when he's not in it. When he's not in the team, they hardly ever win a game. But when he's there, he sort of glues the whole thing together and everything revolves around him. Do you know the talk is that Indeedy might be a target for clubs like Manchester United Mm. during the summer? And if that's the case, I think that Leicester might have... I say they might have a bit of a problem. Leicester are in a Champions League place and Manchester United are not. And these aren't the days of old where if Manchester United just showed a bit of leg, then other teams came running, um, if I'm allowed that analogy. Um, I think as far as uh, Leicester are concerned, they're in a very strong position. And if a club like United did come looking, they'd have to pay Harry Maguire money for it. I, 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 don't, I don't know whether or not it's the right analogy or not, but it did um, make me think of Ed Woodward with uh, his leg dangling out the window of a car. Um, which is never wearing a, a pair of stockings ne- never, never a good image to have um, right let's uh, get quick predictions then Crookie what do you think will happen in the Watford Leicester game I think Leicester will win yeah Darren? I'd have to agree with that I'd have to agree with that I think Leicester have got too many goals a bit of guile in midfield and defensively they're better than Watford on a consistent basis I think Leicester will go there and win mm, I think I'm going to hedge my bets and say draw here you know Ooh. get off that fence Okay, let's whip round three of the Premier League games while showing our expertise as we jump on a bit of roulette rivalry. Producer Lucy will give us one of the weekend matches to preview against the clock. Lucy, what have you got for us? Um, I don't have a hat in the flat, so I've gone for a uh, an unused plant pot. Okay. Okay, the paper's in. Are you going to draw them out randomly and dish them out and we've got to do 45 seconds on them, is that correct? Yes, it is correct. So. Right, okay. Hold on, I thought we, you said no notes. Well, no, I've done, I've done a couple of bullet points. No, but you said no notes. No, All right, no the... notes. There you go, no notes. You've caught me. I don't yeah. even know what the games are, actually. I haven't and, looked. And, Lucy, and Lucy's taken ages to get it started, so it's making me nervous. Darren's going first. You have... I'm terrified now. Newcastle v Sheffield United. <sighs> and your time Cracker. starts now. Well, on the face of it, Newcastle in 13th place in the Premier League should be in good shape. The excitement, obviously, from the potential takeover still bubbling and simmering, actually, underneath the surface. But on the other hand, if you look at Sheffield United, there'll be a side motivated by the injustice of losing what was a stone-cold goal in that first game against Aston Villa. I mean, you have to have been in a position to be wanting to drive to Barnard Castle if you could not see that that one was over the line. And I think as far as the players are concerned, they'll be annoyed, they'll be fired up and they'll be driven, obviously, by the fact that they are still good enough in this open of seasons. Oh, that's it, that's it, that's it. It's very impressive. He did that very calmly. You know, the thing that's, that's, <sighs> I've noticed that that may be the tactic. Just talk very slowly and then you don't have <laughs> to worry about <laughs> as much information. Yeah. But good he idea. gets extra points for a topical reference. Yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not that topical now. It's about four weeks old, Darren. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Still got a laugh from you two. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then, Luce. 
Sam, you're next. All oh, right, okay. And you're going to have Everton v Liverpool. Oh, I'm going oh, to this one. Oh, I'm oh. real. Fix. <laughs> fix. It's not a fix, Alex. I've folded all these beautiful pieces of paper up in this pot. And your time starts now. Uh, so Liverpool cannot win the title at Goodison Park on Sunday night. I'm going uh, for Talk Sport, actually. Uh, Everton's last game prior to lockdown was at Stamford Bridge. They got battered 4-0. Billy Gilmore ran the show. Um, but they haven't really got much to play for. I suppose the only thing really that they can do now is try and halt for as long as possible Liverpool's march to the title. I really like Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I think he's thrived under Carlo Ancelotti and he'll certainly be the main threat. I wonder if Richarlison will be refreshed as well after his mid-season break. But Liverpool are an immense team. That Alisson's fit, which is going to help. They've got the best defender in the league. They've got a guy who plays at right back, but has created more goals than almost anybody else apart from Kevin De Bruyne. And they've got the best strike force in the country. So Liverpool refreshed and ready to go again. I expect to go and beat Everton because they always beat Everton. Everton have not beat them for 10 years. Sorry, does the clock not count for you? I didn't know. Well, I couldn't hear. What are you doing? How long did that go over? I'm sorry, it was in, it was it was just I'm just I'm just looking forward to the game. That was ten seconds over that. Ah well, you know, got an extra ten seconds of gold. Does that mean I just have to do thirty-five seconds? <laughs> no. But at least yeah. we know the game you've got and you've known the game you've got for ages. So you could you know, you've probably got more I information. Don't actually, I didn't read the script. <laughs> okay, you have Man City v Burnley. And your wow. time starts now. Well, it's a bit of a Lancashire derby, isn't it? Manchester City against Burnley. I think it's a fixture that City no. would usually expect to come out on top in. I thought they were uber impressive against a shocking Arsenal side on the night the Premier League resumed. Uh, De Bruyne was spraying passes around. Raheem Sterling ended a long goal drought. And I think he might well hit the gold trail now. You'd expect Sergio Aguero to start, having been left on the bench. He looked really frustrated as those chances late in the game went astray as well so he's desperate to get on the score sheet I fear for Burnley here on the face of it haven't got too much to play for if City get an early goal against that Burnley back line it could be a difficult evening but I don't think Sean Dyche's go-to tactic of lumping the ball up to the likes of Jay Rodriguez and Chris Wood is going to be particularly effective well Chris Wood's not available probably um, also you, you didn't mention that if Burnley win that could hand Liverpool the title that was sort of the key piece of information probably in that fixture I think it sounded very much like someone is mar- a head teacher marking everyone's schoolwork. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I've missed my calling in life. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! An absolutely outstanding finish from Aaron Moy, which has surely won the game for Brighton. Don't worry about the league table, or don't worry about anybody else. Just focus on the game, focus on what we need to do, and do our best. Brighton stay deep in the relegation scrap and it is not just a penalty it is a red card for David Luiz I'm going to delete that from my disc because I don't want this taking any energy away from me and prepare the next game and that's it Lacazette's using his body to get a shot on goal what strength and what a fantastic finish at the near post by Alexandre Lacazette Brighton against Arsenal is the 3pm kickoff on game day this Saturday. Four games back to back. Darren, let's start with the Gunners. Obviously, they didn't play particularly well against um, 
Manchester City in midweek. Dirts wouldn't play in that game. Or Bamiang looked disinterested. Louise, obviously, we know, has taken responsibility for his actions, as we just heard. Injuries galore. What are you hearing about Arsenal and what they're going to do this weekend? I mean, because Mari was stretched off. Jacka was stretched off. I mean, mm. they, they look depleted now. They're going to have enough personnel to fill the bench? It's a really good question because they are to key injuries. Mari is supposed to be the one they brought in to maybe see an uptick in their defensive form and yet he's stretching off. Louise, the liability, as we've said before, we don't know if we're ever going to see him in an Arsenal shirt before. Xhaka managed to integrate him side back into the side, but he's out. And Wednesday night was a blow for Arsenal, not just in terms of the result, but also in terms of the consistency that they'd had previously. I mean, they no no defeat in the league, in the Premier League, uh, since December the 29th, if I'm not They drew a lot of games, though, didn't they? I mean, they weren't winning matches. They drew four out of 12. Now, I don't think that's a bad run at all. In fact, I think it gave a lot of people room for optimism, particularly as they're trying to hold on to Aubameyang. And the talk is that if they finish in a Champions League place, then Aubameyang will stay, but he doesn't want to be slapping around in the Europa League for another season. I think if Graham Potter is sensible, he and his players will get stuck into Arsenal. They won't try to play football, but get stuck into them because Arsenal are side of a very, very fragile confidence at the moment. And despite everything that they've done before the, the break, and this is what I'm saying about this break that's come around, and obviously we all know about why and what, whatnot, but psychologically, what effect it could have on players. And I think coming so soon after what happened on Wednesday night, I think Brighton could land a real blow on Arsenal if they could keep the pressure on them and you know score early and see what they're made of. Yeah, they did a similar thing to Tottenham Hotspur back in the autumn. Um, but they no, did to Arsenal at the Emirates. They did. And no one in 2020, though, for the Seagulls. What shape are they in? Because Darren says about, you know, not necessarily worrying about playing football, but going at them and unsettling Arsenal early on. Graham Potter's team don't really yeah. do that. They've won three fewer games than at this point last season. And, and maybe I'm being a little bit facetious, but I, I wonder whether or not a Chris Hewton Brighton team would be better off uh, yeah. at the weekend than, than a Graham Potter Brighton team, Crookie. Possibly, I don't think it's the Graham Potter way to stick one on them, so to speak. But I do think Brighton are capable of the high press, which as we know, if Arsenal try and play the ball out from the back, they, they can be masters of their own downfall. I think if, if Brighton play with high energy, as Manchester City did, obviously, the other night, I think they could have some joy. I think the big worry for the Seagulls is where the goals are coming from. Is Glenn Murray only scored once in the Premier League. This year, Neil Mope had dried up a bit. I spoke to Matty Ryan actually earlier today and I said, look, a lot of people are writing you off. Most pundits, when asked to put teams in the bottom three, Brighton are very much in there. And he said they can use that to create a sort of siege mentality and, and prove those people wrong. And again, he said the empty stadium might just help them play the type of football that Graham Potter wants mm. them to. West Ham are also fighting relegation and they have won just two of their last 10 Premier League games under David Moyes. Um, Og Bonner is in training after missing the QPR friendly, but Ngakia won't play, we don't think, because he's rejected a contract offer. What was this all about? I think he's had offers from a lot of other clubs. He doesn't like the fact that... He's not played regular first-team football, doesn't believe he will play regular first-team football and wants to seek his fortunes elsewhere. I don't think West Ham will be that hurt by him not 
committing himself to the club. They've got good players. It's not great for that. the fans, though, is it? I mean, it doesn't really sort of send the right message that you extend Pablo Zabaleta's contract on seventy-five grand a week to the end of the season, and then say to Jeremy and Gakia, "We don't fancy giving you five grand a week for the next nine months because that's how much we're going to spend on Pablo Zabaleta." It doesn't really it, it makes sense to the supporters, does it? Yeah, but the position at West Ham are in, they need experience. And to be fair, Sam, this is going to be the case in a lot of other clubs. And it works both ways as well. We've seen a few players now say, look, True. I'm not going to play for True. the rest of the season Pedro, because I want to protect myself. Taylor, yeah. Ryan Fraser Ryan said Fraser. that as well. You know, I want to protect myself for the next move. This is going to be a stage of the season where play, we're going to see quite a few players looking after themselves and a few clubs looking after themselves as well. I still think as far as West Ham are concerned, their best chances at home, they've got a good side when the sum of the parts come together. The break might well have helped them. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers have got 21 points away from home this season, Crookie, and they come on strong in the last 30 minutes of games. I mean, I was looking at the analysis. They've scored 10 mm. goals in the last half hour of Premier League games away from home, only conceded one in that period. Jimenez chasing the Wolves' record for Premier League goals. Traore's a fantastic talent has been linked with Manchester United and others. Jota had five and six before uh, the pause. They've got flying wing-backs that cause all sorts of problems. If they are as fit as I hear they are and are working as well as I've heard they have been, then when West Ham could be in trouble here, couldn't they? Yeah, Jimenez has also been talking about the fact he might want to go and play for a bigger club, hasn't he? So that could be extra motivation for him uh, between now and the end of the season. It's interesting you mentioned the fitness element because I've got written down here, Wolves' superior fitness levels could be the key. Um, they are just about the fittest team in the league when you look at the relatively small number of players they've used across the season when they've been in both the Europa League and, of course, uh, going great guns in the Premier League as well. They're pretty ruthless as well, particularly away from home, Wolves. I think they've only led away from home for a combined total of something like 125 minutes, but they've mm. still picked up the points. They rarely concede on their travels. I expect them to hit the ground running, actually. I think they're going to win this game. And I don't think West Ham are out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination in terms of going down. I don't think David Moyes is the Moyesiah. As he's, as he's been christened. I think they've got too many number 10s. Who christened him that? Many... Didn't, didn't you lot christen him that when he went to Old Trafford? No, he was the chosen one at Old Trafford for about oh. six weeks until he signed Maran Fellaini and it went downhill from there. Um, but I think they've got a lot of similar players, West Ham. Number 10s, creative flair players. I'm not sure they've got a stomach for a fight. Wolves' defence is really tight, isn't it? And West Ham actually struggle for goals as well. I, I, I quite like Wolves to mount a challenge for Europe, Darren. 100%. It's very tight in behind that top four points-wise. And all you need to do is be able to put two or three wins together and suddenly you're right there in the mix. Only one defeat in their previous eight. And they are a side that play for the manager. They've been going great guns in the Europa League. I, I think they've got every chance. I just wonder if some of the players might start thinking about potential moves in the summer. We know two or three clubs are thinking of Ruben Neves, for example. There are two or three players in that side, influential players, who now are in the stage of other clubs sniffing around. Hopefully that won't detract from their focus. But I still do think... I'd have to agree with Alex. I, could, I think they could go to West Ham and win. Before lockdown, West Ham was 16th in the Premier League and they go into this game in the same position. They're outside the relegation zone on goal difference. They are 12 points worse off than at the same stage last season. That is not only a huge concern for David Moyes, but it must be a huge concern for the owners and operators of that football club because they too you know, have struggled 
in in games against bigger teams. Um, I think they've only Aston Villa have won fewer points against uh, some of the top half teams, and, and Wolves obviously certainly are that. Well, there was a key moment in in this season uh, because I know they beat Man United two nil uh, in in September. United and were dreadful that day. They were dreadful that day. But what happened was, and this materially affected their season, the goalkeeper was injured. And they replaced him with the worst goalkeeper I've ever seen in 20 years of football. Oh, yeah, I forgot football. about that guy. The one who just kept letting the ball go through his hands. Neto, was it Neto? Honestly, it, it, that, that, no, it was Roberto. Roberto. He may as well have been wearing red nose and floppy shoes. He was, he was, I saw experienced pros in the press box as you go in for half time, shake their heads and say, this guy is the worst goalkeeper, not just for West Ham, but they'd ever seen. Most goalkeepers... They make an effort to actually try and keep out the ball coming towards them. This guy covers his face to try and protect himself from the ball. And my understanding, and I, I don't mind telling you guys, I know for a fact that there were players in training at West Ham looking at themselves early doors thinking, who is this guy? And I also know that a, a delegation, a, a number of players had words with senior figures at the club to say, look, we don't want this guy. And that's why they will be looking for another goalkeeper in the summer. That's a major concern, isn't it? When they, when when the uh, the players turn like that as well, and I, I think as a result of that, maybe some confidence was lost in Manuel Pellegrini, and that's why we're in the situation where we have um, David Moyes back in charge. Um, right, let's move on to Aston Villa against Chelsea. It's a Sunday kickoff, four fifteen. Villa played quite well against Sheffield United for, for Aston Villa. They didn't concede a goal, um, which is amazing. They got the worst defence in the league, but they had a bit of trouble scoring. Maybe that was down to Dean Henderson's performance, but is this a sign of things to come from Aston Villa, do you think, Crook, or or, or is it a false dawn? Well, when we spoke, I, I did say to you that I didn't think Sheffield United would necessarily be able to keep up the momentum. So it didn't surprise me. I actually said to you, I fancied Villa last night. Um, I was slightly surprised that Samata didn't start the game. I think he's looked quite sharp since he came in. Davis played well, to be fair, but I'm not convinced he's going to get the goals required to keep them in the Premier League. Grealish was impressive again. As you say, they were more defensively resolute, but this is a much stiffer examination, in my opinion, of that newfound defensive solidity, if we can call it that, 90 minutes into the restart. They would have lost, but for a dodgy decision. So I still fear for Villa. I think Chelsea will, will win this game. And, and I think Villa will be one of the three teams who go down. Away from home, Chelsea haven't really been firing. Uh, maybe the lack of crowd will make it easier for players who not so long ago, this environment was actually quite commonplace for them. There's a lot of young players in that Chelsea uh, team. Do you think that Chelsea need to win this game? Because if they want Champions League football for Timo Werner and for Hakim Ziyech, who, who they've already signed and they're looking at Kai Havertz and a few others in order to try and bolster their squad, then they've got to be able to be at the top table. Sam, I think they're going to be boosted massively by the signings of Hakim Ziyech and Timo Werner, not just because they're going to be great for next season, but they're going to put a rocket up the backsides of some of the players who perhaps had taken their places for granted this season. And I think that is going to give them a new impetus, a new motivation. Hudson-Odoi is fit again. Pulisic is also in the mix at the moment, but he will obviously be looking at uh, going again next season. I think they're good enough anyway. Too good for Aston Villa. And I think Chelsea will go there and win. And not just win, but win emphatically. I'm not sure just how ready Hudson-Odoi is for this game. Abraham might not start either, I've heard, despite being the top scorer. But Ruben Loftus-Cheeky is back. And he played last weekend in the friendly against Queen's Park Rangers. Scored twice. 
and he looks he looks ready to play again. And that's not only a massive boost for Chelsea, but that's a massive boost for England as well. It's Lampard's hundredth game, isn't it? As a manager, he's he's reached that milestone seemingly in the blink of an eye. And um, you've got to say. He's earned the right to spend that money that Chelsea have given him because he's worked wonders this season with no opportunity to bring in reinforcements. He's put his faith in youth, which has not been the Chelsea way in the Abramovich years. Let's not mince our words on that. So I think you have to give him great credit, even if they miss out on a place in the top four, which I think they might. It's still been an excellent campaign for Frank Lampard. Do you really think that they're going to miss out on a place in the top four? Is that just your Manchester United hat being worn as you say it? I mean, being serious, because I look at the Chelsea fixtures and the thing that worries me is the fact that they're, they've got to play basically all of their rivals for that top four place. They've got to play Sheffield United. They've got to play um, Wolverhampton Wanderers. They've got to play Liverpool. They've got to play Man City. I mean, ultimately, they've got, they've got a very difficult run and they've still got to go to West Ham United, which is always a difficult game for them. So I understand why there would be some scepticism about them finishing in the top four. But I wonder whether or not they will be bolstered by the fact that they have such a big squad and such so many resources. I do think Pedro will be a loss, um, having said that he won't play on for the restart. And I do think, as I mentioned on Monday, that their young players may just start to run out of steam. Maybe, as Darren has already alluded to, the fact they've signed these new players and players now know they're playing for their places might help. But as you said, they've got a difficult run in. I don't think United's fixture list is as difficult as Chelsea's. And that's what I'm basing my prediction on. I think that there won't be much in it, maybe a point or two, but I think United will just get their noses in front. Game day wouldn't be the same without a bit of fantasy football interest. Here's Dream Team's Andrew Butler to provide us with some gems from Bournemouth Palace and Norwich Southampton. Hello, how are you? Hello, Sam. Very well, thank you. How are you? Yes, good. Thank you very much. Uh, Let's start with a game that's on terrestrial television. Bournemouth Palace is on Saturday night. Who are you looking at in the Palace ranks? Yeah, it feels like a bit of a, a kind of a FA Cup fixture, doesn't it, this one? Because it's on terrestrial TV, Saturday evening. Um, but from Palace's point of view, they've, they've not been the highest scorers across Dream Team. Um, they're still a team that you might want to avoid. But Jordan Ayew could break Crystal Palace record for a player whose goals have contributed to most points in a season. Now, that's a bit of a mouthful. I feel like we're but- clutching at straws in terms of Palace records <laughs> yeah. there. His eight goals have earned Palace uh, 14 points this season, sitting just one point behind Andrew Johnson's contribution in 2004 and 5. 88 points um, so far this season. He's Palace's top scorer, but like I said, Palace are a tricky team to to, to pick from, really. Okay, um, what about Bournemouth? Bournemouth, well, David Brooks is back now. Yes. He hasn't got a single point um, so far, obviously because he's been injured for um, all of the season. Um, and he could feel that that Ryan Fraser-shaped hole, which has now emerged uh, in Bournemouth's team. Um, he's been kind of talking about firing Bournemouth up the table now that he's back, but I'm not entirely sure if you're going to rely on a 22-year-old who's been injured to, to, to help you out. But um, he could be an option. He'd be a bit of a bet, but we'll see about that. Mm. I fancy David Brooks to go really well on his comeback. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. He is buzzing to be back out there. So is Lewis Cook, by the way, because I caught up with him and he told me he's still got England ambitions. It's in every. It's got to be in every young English player's mind to, to play in the national team. It's got to be an ambition. Um, it's got to be something you strive towards and, and use it as motivation. But I think at the moment, it's just it's just all about the club and making sure that you're um, you're performing well, consistent for your club and. Yeah, if that comes around, that's, that's a massive positive. 
Um, yeah, like I think we've got more important things to think about as a team right now. So that's that's probably the main thing. On the subject of managers, Eddie Howe, and I know a lot of managers have, have been sort of delegating some of these sessions, particularly when you're only allowed to train in small groups to their coaches. Has Eddie been as hands-on as ever? I imagine he's still first first at training and still last one to leave. Yeah, that's uh, that's the gaffer. He, he works incredibly hard, and I think it's it's well known how how hard he works. And I think he's he's loved it just as much as we have getting back, um, getting that that coaching because it's tough for it's, it's tough for the players, but it's tough for the staff as well because they they dedicate a lot of time, probably a lot more time than we do to to football, and they have the, the long hours and they're always watching games, clips, and things. So it's great to have them back, and I think they're loving it just as much as we are. Because obviously Bournemouth have been hit probably harder than most with injuries this season. I think you've had virtually an entire first eleven out at one stage or another. In in a strange sort of way, could this enforced break actually help your chances of survival? Because you've got the likes of yourself and and David Brooks and Frano as well, all all now fit. Whereas maybe they they may not have been fit had those games been played when they were originally scheduled for. Yeah, I'd be lying to say that. Um, I don't think we're in a stronger position where we are now. We've, um, we've got a lot of players back fit and. They're looking really good in training and it's an exciting time to, to have because uh, I think us at full strength is we're a really good team and like you say, it'll, it'll help us for our chances, definitely, yeah. I echo those thoughts about David Brooks. but Also, Lewis Cook, again, someone who would have benefited from more rest, someone would have benefited from more Eddie Howe coaching. If Bournemouth are going to get out of trouble, then this is a game they have to win, isn't it, Crook? Oh, 100%. They haven't won enough games at the Vitality this season. They won enough games full stop. But as I said in last week's podcast, I think they could be a dark horse. They've got their players back. I think they'll embrace the empty stadium. They're a team who like to pass the ball around. I think the behind-closed-doors element is conducive to teams who play like that. I think they're going to stay up. And talking of teams who haven't won enough games, Norwich against Southampton. This might be the least glamorous of the games on the schedule this week. But fire us up, Andrew, by giving us an interest in Norwich against Southampton. Well, I mean, the, 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 the most generous thing you can say about this game, I think, is that if this is the new normal, what I quite like about it is the fact that I'll be moving from one seat in my living room to another seat when I clock off work at around about six o'clock on Friday. Um, so to, to watch Norwich versus Southampton. I mean, parties are obviously still banned and we need to remember that. But the Pookie party might be the one that might be allowed now, Timu Puki has obviously had a, an, an okay season, well, pretty good season actually, but um, he's actually without a goal now um, in his past five. Form is sort of something that is kind of an irrelevance now that football's returned after such a long break. Is it? Um, is got- it? I don't know that it's, it is. I looked I at the games at- I went to this week. I mean, the game I went to, Manchester City versus Arsenal, it pretty much went uh, as expected. It was pretty true to form. Arsenal weren't very good and Manchester City cruised. Of course, and David Luiz was doing David Luiz things. and But someone like Raheem Sterling uh, has obviously come back and uh, had a bit of a tricky time before, and now he, he, he played really well. So maybe, it'll maybe. be interesting to see how it goes, and someone that certainly will be um, hoping to kick off where he, he left off. Sorry, it was um, uh, Danny Ings, obviously, for Southampton. Ah. It was like a bit of a shame for him that this season has been so disrupted because it might be a season that, everyone outside of the the Ings household might kind of forget about how good his season um, has been. He's got 147 points in Dream Team so far this season. A phenomenal return, really, for a player who you wouldn't have backed at the start of the season. Um, I'm desperate for him to continue his run because he's in my Dream Team. How many people own him? 
He's owned by 4.1% of mm, teams. That's quite high, isn't it? Which is quite high for a, a player of kind of his his standing. And he's in the game at 4.2 million. But he's got two goals in two games in his two games against Norwich in his career. Obviously, they were both for when he was playing for Liverpool. But I'm a, I'm a big fan of looking at precedent and we'll see what he can do. Okay. Uh, Southampton have won 20 of their 34 points in the Premier League this season away from home. Crook, that's 59% of them. The only team in the Premier League to have won more than 50% of their total points away from home. Why do you think that is? I think they're another team who could benefit from not having fans inside. The, the atmosphere at St Mary's for the last two or three seasons actually has, has been bordering on toxic at times and they do turn very early if things start to go against their team so again I, I don't think it will be a disadvantage for them I mean everybody thinks Southampton are safe they're not yet you know and their form going into the break was it four defeats in five I mean they had that little upturn didn't they after losing 9-0 to Leicester when Ralph Hasenhutl seemed to have steadied the ship he's earned this big new contract but they need to start putting some points on the board and they might be looking nervously over their shoulders Oh, uh, Andrew, uh, don't look nervously over your shoulder. Um, but what is that over your oh. shoulder? It's, it's, um, it's a Leighton Orient crest covered in football scarves. Oh. Brilliant that's, decoration. Uh, that's a st- if that's not student digs, I don't know what is. Right, <laughs> um, we'll see you Monday. I must admit, I'm really excited about getting back to it full time. I don't know about you, but um, I'm... You know, the fact there's 10 games this weekend, it does seem a bit relentless and the schedule just doesn't seem to have any gaps in it whatsoever. So he's like, you're constantly thinking about the next game and where uh, you're going to next, but also trying to find somewhere to watch the football. So it is a bit full on. I, I know that Gary Neville said on the broadcast on Wednesday night that he believed that he couldn't see a return to a normalised fixture list and that this would now become the new normal. I think if that happens, yeah, we're all going to get divorced. You might be right. I mean, I've got to say, having made my wife sit through Sheffield United, Aston Villa, and then making her watch her beloved Arsenal get battered you at 3-0, that was I think she voluntarily start. sat next to you and watched it. I don't think you have that power. Well, uh, I think she was intrigued until about 15 minutes in and we realised it was going to be naff. And, and as I say, then her team got battered. So not a great start. Uh, to the resumption in this household. Yeah, well, um, I, I, I must admit, I, I thought that being at the ground itself was a real privilege on uh, uh, Wednesday night. And even though you have to go through certain sort of protocols or whatever, just being in the stadium itself and watching elite footballers was great. And I can't wait to, to do the live commentary on Saturday, Watford against Leicester live on TalkSport. Um, just having a look at some of the fixtures and what you think of the big bankers for the weekend. I think Sheffield United to beat Newcastle is my big sort of prediction for the weekend. It's the one that I would invest. If I was investing money in it, that's where I would go because I just think, as Darren already mentioned, they'd be so spurned by what happened in that game at Villa Park that they'll put all their energies into a match against a Newcastle team who, if you look at the data, are overperforming so spectacularly. They should have 21 points less than they've got. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I could still see a goalless draw, to be honest, in in that game. (laughs) I've got to say, it's not one that excites me too much. I think it's too early to say what's going to be a banker. I always think at the start of the season, which this is effectively, you can get some strange results. I wouldn't mind a little double on United to win at Tottenham and Brighton to beat Arsenal. Ooh, Brighton to beat Arsenal. That is a big call. Uh, Especially since you 
I think it was quoted as saying on Monday that you think they might be relegated. Yeah, but they're going to pick up some wins along the way. All right, okay, interesting. Uh, What a show. Uh, The Ultimate Preview is back on Monday when Crook and I will be joined by Darren Bent. Uh, Please rate and review and tell all your friends about the podcast and download it too. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, We know there's a lot of choice out there and we're delighted that you've chosen us. See you Tuesday as the Football Feast rolls on. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.